And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting to Niflheim, Svartalfheim, Olympus, throughout the nine worlds, and beyond, the only Thor podcast hosted by a true descendant of Odin, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of... Radio Free Asgard. You are tuned to Radio Free Asgard, episode number 261. Ragnarok. An axe age. A sword age. Shields will be gashed. There will be a wind age and a wolf age before the world is wrecked. First of all, Midgard will be wrenched and racked by wars for three winters. Fathers will slaughter sons. Brothers will be drenched in one another's blood. Mothers will desert their menfolk and seduce their own sons. Brothers will bed with sisters. Then Fimbulvetr, the winter of winters, will grip and throttle Midgard. Driving snow clouds will converge from north and south and east and west. There will be bitter frosts, biting winds. The shining sun will be helpless. Three such winters will follow each other with no summers between them. And so the end will begin. Then the children of the old giantess and Ironwood will have their say. The wolf's skull will seize the sun between his jaws and swallow her. He will spatter Asgard with gore. And his brother Hati will catch the moon and mangle him. The stars will vanish from the sky. The earth will start to shudder then. Great trees will sway and topple. Mountains will shake and rock and come crashing down. And every bond and fetter will burst. Fenrir will run free. Egther, watchman of the giants, will sit on his grave mound and strum his harp, smiling grimly. Nothing escapes the redcock Fjallar. He will crow to the giants from Birdwood. At the same time, the cock who wakes the warriors every day in Valhalla, golden-combed Gulenkambi, will crow to the gods. A third cock, rust red, will raise the dead in hell. The sea will rear up, and the waves will pummel the shore, because Jormungand, the Midgard serpent, is twisting and writhing in fury, working his way onto dry land. And in those high seas, Nagelfar will break loose, the ship made from dead men's the bows and the waist and the stern and the hold will be packed with giants, and Grim will stand at the helm, heading towards the plain Vigrid. Loki, too, free from his fetters, will take to the water. He will set sails towards Vigrid from the north, and his dead weight will be all that ghastly crew in hell. Then the brothers Fenrir and Jormungand will move forward side by side. Fenrir's slavering mouth will gape open, so wide that his lower jaw scrapes against the ground and his upper jaw presses against the sky. It gapes still wider if there were no room. Flames will dance in Fenrir's eyes and leap from his nostrils. With each breath, meanwhile, Jormungand will spew venom. All the earth and the sky will be splashed and stained with his poison. The world will be in an uproar the air quaking with booms and blares and their echoes. Then the sons of Muspel will advance from the south and tear apart the sky itself as they too close in on Vigrid. 
Surt will lead the way, his sword blazing like the sun itself. And as they cross Bivrust, the rainbow bridge will crack and break behind them. So all the giants and all the inmates of Hell and Fenrir and Jormungand and Surt and the blazing sons of Muspel will gather on Vigrid. They will all but fill that plain that stretches 120 leagues in every direction. The gods, meanwhile, will not be idle. Heimdall will leave his hall, Himinbjorg, and raise the great horn Gjall to his mouth. He will sound such a blast that it will be heard throughout the nine worlds. All the gods will wake and at once meet in council. Then Odin will mount Slepnir and gallop to Mimir's spring and take advice from Mimir there. Yggdrasil itself will moan, the ash that always was and waves over all that is. Its leaves will tremble. Its limbs shiver and shake even as two humans take refuge deep within it. Everything in heaven and in earth and hell will quiver. Then all the Aesir and all the Einherjar in Valhalla will arm themselves. They will don their helmets and their coats of mail and grasp their swords and spears and shields. Eight hundred fighting men will forge through each of that hall's five hundred and forty doors. That vast host will march towards Vigrid, and Odin will ride at their head, wearing a golden helmet and a shining corslet, brandishing Gungnir. Odin will make straight for the wolf Fenrir, and Thor right beside him will be unable to help because Jormungand will at once attack him. Fry will fight the fire giant Surt, and when Surt whirls his flaming blade, Fry will rue the day that he gave his own good sword to his servant Skirnir. It will be a long struggle, though, before Fry succumbs. The hound Garm from Gnipnaheller will leap at the throat of one-handed Tyr, and they will kill each other. The age-old enemies Loki and Heimdall will meet once more, and each will be the cause of the other's death. Thor, son of Earth, and the gaping Jormungand have met before, too. They are well matched. At Vigrid, the god will kill the serpent, but he will only be able to stagger back nine steps before he falls dead himself, poisoned by the venom Jormungand spews over him. Odin and Fenrir were the first to engage, and their fight will be fearsome. In the end, though, the wolf will seize Allfather between his jaws and swallow him. That will be the death of Odin. At once his son Vidar will stride forward and press one foot on Fenrir's bottom jaw, and the shoe he will wear then has been a long time in the making. It consists of all the strips and bits of leather paired off the heels and toes of new shoes since time began, all the leftovers thrown away as gifts for the god. Then Vidar will take hold of Fenrir's other jaw and tear the wolf apart, so avenging his father. Then Surt will fling fire in every direction. Asgard and Midgard and Jotunheim and Niflheim will become furnaces, places of raging flame, swirling smoke. Ashes. Only ashes. The Nine Worlds will burn and the gods will die. The Einherjar will die. Men and women and children in Midgard will die. Elves and dwarves will die. Giants will die. Monsters and creatures of the underworld will die. Birds and animals will die. The sun will be dark and there will be no stars in the sky. And the earth will sink into the sea. The earth will rise again. Out of the water, fair and green, 
The eagle will fly over cataracts, swoop into the thunder and catch fish under crags. Corn will ripen in fields that were never sown. Vidar and Vali will still be alive. They will survive the fire and the flood and make their way back to Edavol, the shining plain where Palances once stood. Bodhi and Magni, sons of Thor, will join them there, and they will inherit their father's hammer, Mjolnir. And Baldur and Hod will come back from the world of the dead. It will not be long before they too tread the new grass on Edavol. Honir will be there as well, and he will hold the wand and foretell what is to come. The sons of Vili and Ve will make up the new number, the gods in heaven, home of the winds. They will sit down in the sunlight and begin to talk. Turn by turn they will call up such memories. Memories such as are known to them alone. They will talk over many things that happened in the past, and the evil of Jormungand and the wolf Fenrir. And then, amongst the waving grass, they will find golden chessboards, treasures owned once by the Aesir, and gaze at them in wonder. Many courts will rise once more, some good, some evil. The best place of all will be Gimli in heaven, a building fairer than the sun roofed with gold, that is where the rulers will live, at peace with themselves and each other. Then there will be Bremir on Okolnir, where the ground is always warm underfoot. There will always be plenty of good drink there for those who have a taste for it. And there will be Sindri, a fine hall that stands in the dark mountains of Nidafjol, made wholly of red gold. Good men will live in these places. But there will be another hall on Nastrond the shore of corpses. That place in the underworld will be as vile as it is vast. All its doors will face north. Its walls and roof will be made of wattled snakes, their heads facing inward, blowing so much poison that it runs in rivers through the hall. Oathbreakers and murderers and philanderers will wade through those rivers. Needhog too will outlive the fire and the flood, and under Yggdrasil he will suck blood from the bodies of the dead. The two humans who hid themselves deep within Yggdrasil, some say Hodmimir's wood, will be named Leif and Lifthrasir. Surt's fire will not scorch them, it will not even touch them, and their food will be the morning dew. Through the branches, through the leaves, they will see light come back. For before the sun is caught and eaten by the wolf's skull, she will give birth to a daughter, no less fair than herself, and will follow the same sky path and light the world. Leif and Lifthrasir will have children. Their children will bear children. There will be life and new life. Life everywhere on earth. That was the end. And this is the beginning. Wow. So that is it. We finally finished it. Kevin Crossley Holland's The Norse Myths were done. Ragnarok is the last of them. And it, it's been a long time coming. You go all the way back to episode number 10 when we started covering the uh, the Norse mythology. And it's been a constant with the show, you know, since very, very early on. So it, it's kind of a bittersweet moment. Now, 
Of course, there is a new adaptation of the Norse mythology that has just become available, and I'm going to try to get a copy of this book sometime in the next couple of weeks. This is the adaptation that I was talking about on Facebook that has been done by Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman, of course, a lot of geek cred there, author of The Sandman, author of American Gods, and amongst many, many other works. I think it'll be really interesting to see how his adaptation differs from that of Crossley Holland. I get the notion that Gaiman's may be more more listener-friendly than perhaps the way that, that Crossley Holland told his stories. But it'll be interesting to compare and contrast. I'll, I'll tell you that. It, um, now, I'm going to continue to release the Kevin Crossley Holland episodes in a collected format, the third installment of that collection came out a few weeks ago. I'm going to be trying to put one out every six to eight weeks. And I think we have about uh, you know five or six of them to come. And at that point, all of them will be available. I'm not sure about collecting the Gaiman stuff. And, and the reason why is because I think Gaiman... I don't know how zealously they guard their copyright. <laughs> so you, I hope you can understand. Now, one thing that I'm looking for, and uh, it would be nice if somebody out there could help me with this, is new background music for, for the new adaptations. I've enjoyed using Mott's Vent's music. Mott's has been amazing in allowing us to use this and for giving us permission you know, all those years ago to, to use his work for free and you know, just with attribution. And it has been amazing. But I think with the end of this particular adaptation of the Norse mythology, I think we're going to have to leave Eden behind. Now, Eden... The Invincible Sword of the Elfsmith is available for free online for anyone to listen to. Go to eden.net. I believe it's eden.net or eden.org. It's E-D-D-A-N. And you can go and listen to the entire thing uh, for free online and hear it without me talking over it. And I guarantee you it's definitely worth it. It's a lot of music. It's a lot of hours. I want to say it's, uh, what, 16 hours of of music so that's that is a very very long symphony if 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 you want to call it that so uh once again many many thanks to Mott's vent for allowing us to use his music on our show because it, it's it has been a vital part of the show from the very beginning so i really do appreciate it so about the, the story itself this has been a really fun one it's one that I've been looking forward to for a long time. I knew that I had to save it to last, though. And I, I just love the, the rhythm of the language in this, in this particular story. Kevin Crossley Holland has done a fantastic job in ramping things up, in building to a climax. And it's been a lot of fun to play with it as an actor, as I've been reading it out. And you know, if, if I don't do it justice, then that's my own misgiving because I think the storytelling in this is flawless. I think it's great. The themes of Ragnarok are interesting because this is not just the story of the death of the gods. It's a story of renewal as well. We have the death of the gods. We have the ruin of everything. And then we have a new beginning. And not from scratch. There are survivors of Ragnarok. There are people who come back from the dead. We have uh, you know, survivors in a whole new world. 
and a sort of paradise. And it's interesting that, and I, and it's interesting how Marvel has used that in their own Thor comics with you know, the Ragnarok that we had in the Heroes Deconstructed stories or whatever they used to call that before before the heroes were reborn what they do deconstruct them i don't know anyway um <laughs> that's because i'm too lazy to actually go look it up but it's interesting how they they have the the rebirth of this new world from the old and of course that's the very practical thing that that the norse are were always about the the world does renew every year the, the change of the seasons comes. You have your winter and everything dies and then in the spring everything is born anew. This is just part of the natural cycle of things. The, if you think of the world ending in a Ragnarok every winter and then being reborn in the spring, then, then you get a pretty good sense, I think, of what Snorri and the other writers of the Eddas were going for. Now, Kevin Crossley Holland, as normal, has adapted from a variety of sources, most notably Snorri Sturluson himself, but he also included bits and pieces from other sources, including the Prose Edda and the Elder Edda, and trying to get everything, all of the little bits and pieces together into a more complete version. It'll be interesting to see what sources that Gaiman uses to, to do his retelling of it, and, and I'm looking forward to discovering that as well. All right, so it's a short show, folks. This is it. Um, but of course, you know, we had a short story. I was thinking that the, the you know, Ragnarok myth might actually be a little bit longer than four or five pages, but that's what it was. So anyway, <laughs> uh, anyhow, I hope you enjoyed it. And next week we will be back and we'll be covering Journey into Mystery starring Sif. And that will be that. All right. And with that, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge. Well, what's left of it? Back to Midgard, where I'll hide inside a tree or something. And we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. You have been listening to Radio Free Asgard, a production of Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The Mighty Thor and all associated characters are mostly copyright Marvel Comics. The stories presented are done so for educational, review, and entertainment purposes only. No ownership is implied. The silly voices, however, well, they're all me. Musical selections from Eden, the invincible sword of the Elfsmith, are copyright Mott's Vent and are used with permission. If you like what you've heard on the show, we hope you'll leave us a review on iTunes, tell your friends, or even join our Facebook group. We really love hearing from our listeners, and we appreciate all of your support. Thanks once again very much for listening to Radio Free Asgard.